peace, love, and respect to you and yours. I am your host, Shallow in the Deep, bringing you another episode of The Garden Podcast, where we nurture the roots, plant the seed, and work through the fertilizer of life because at the end of the day, we're all just dealing with some shit. So join me on this journey. Let's grow together. Hey, so before we get into the episode, I just wanted to issue a trigger warning. Uh, I'm talking about death and grief a lot in this episode. So fair warning, approach this with caution. Um, Also, I didn't mention this in the episode, but apologies for the quality. Uh, I broke my laptop like back in July, so I'm unable to record off my laptop and use my actual mic. Hopefully I'm able to get that fixed soon so this won't be a recurring issue. But yeah, so I hope you enjoyed the episode, or at the very least, it provides some kind of distraction to hear someone else talk about their own shit. So, yeah, peace and love. Peace and love, good people. I know, it's been a minute. Um, I've been trying to record for the last couple months, and... Either I haven't liked what I've recorded or I get in my own head about it or just found that I wasn't really talking about shit. Hence, no new episode. Um, Since I last spoke to y'all, I got more consistent with my baking. I got more consistent with my promo and shit. Um, Had my first real successful trip to L.A. for my baking. Made plans to do more, but then, like, just kind of got beaten down by just life. Um, I hope that the holidays have treated you well. I hope this new year brings you peace, brings you joy. I hope this new year is kinder to you. Um, and I just wanted to talk about a few things that are that are heavy on my mind. Um, namely, uh, so I've, I've been struggling with purpose lately, right? I've been trying to figure out what the hell my purpose is in life and what I should be doing and, and trying to figure out what I want to do with my life, how I want to move and just what steps I need to take. So I decided I'm going to start reading more. A few people suggested a few articles and books and whatnot. Um, but I, I started thinking about this because I was finding myself in just in kind of a rut. Not even so much a rut, just... This is what I've been struggling with. Finding the words to describe what it is I'm feeling. 
where my passions are concerned. For a while, I felt like these are the things that I should be doing with my life. These are the things that I should be doing to make money, to make a living. Whether it's poetry, whether it's baking, whether it's podcasting, whether it's, you know, whatever my passion, projects, hobbies, whatever. I felt like those are the things that I should be doing in my life. And that might not that might not necessarily be the case. I had a conversation with my cousin and he was telling me that to paraphrase, he was essentially saying that your reason for doing something is what drives you. So like the things that I love to do, I have to make a decision on whether I want those things to be for money or because I love them. Now, I write poetry because I love it, not because it's going to make me any kind of money or notoriety or whatever. It's purely for the love. And he said, what I, the reason I've probably been struggling with that is because I'm finding myself in a position where You know, it just so happened that I'm able to make connections from my art. I'm able to receive some kind of notice because of of the things that I do. And I'm putting that pressure on myself like, oh, okay, well, I need to do this to make some kind of money or I need to do this to to make a living or I, I see this person doing X, Y and Z. I need to get on that level. When in reality, that was never my intention. I see, <clears throat> I see my friends with businesses, and I think, okay, it can be done. So I should do that. My peers are doing this, so I should do this. I have friends with LLCs. I have friends with businesses. I. You know, shout out to Jazz and, and her candles. Like, that shit took the fuck off last year. Amazing. Shout out to Dom. I am Ruko. It keeps elevating, right? And this is not to say that I'm looking at my friends and trying to compare my life or or being envious or anything. Because there's no envy there. I am proud of my friends. You know, people I didn't name, but like Angie, all the other homies that are starting businesses and and taking their passion projects to the next level and everything else. I am proud of all of these people and I will support them till I die. There's no envy there. And I think for me, what I always think of is being in a relatively same lane or being... How could I phrase it? Being somewhat in the same lane, I think like, okay, well, I should probably cut, I should probably get a move on with things, you know, I should probably pick up the pace. But I think part of that comes from my upbringing. Part of that comes from what my cousin described as uh, family pressure. Like, we're not, 
necessarily competitive, but it's expected to do well. It's expected that whatever we put our minds to, that we do it well, do it to the best of our ability and have some kind of progress or something to show for it, right? And here I am, a poet that hasn't written a poem in I don't know how long. An artist that hasn't created any art in I don't know how long. You know? And I think that kind of just weighed on me for the longest time. Having that conversation with my cousin put it into perspective. So I'm not necessarily focused on that anymore. Um, but it's hard. It's hard. You know, especially as an artist, we're we're perfectionists to a degree. And we place a lot of pressure on ourselves for our our art to be good, to be great. So we may, you know, for some of us, we'll write something, but don't put it out for years because it isn't perfected. Or we'll make something and say, ah, this isn't ready for outside consumption. And that's where I found myself, where the things that I have attempted to write, I don't like them. They're unfinished. And maybe this is just part of growing as an artist, because before I could I could write something that was unfinished and still post it. Like, I'm working on this, but here's this. I'm, f- I'm already my biggest critic, but at the same time, I'm finding my own criticisms to to be unreachable. I'm criticizing my own work before it's finished to the point that I just, I, I erase it all. I have recorded this episode no less than 10 times. And every time I get to a certain point where I say, eh, nobody wants to hear this shit. And I delete it. <clears throat> it's it's a weird thing <clears throat> to do something that's ultimately for yourself. It's ultimately for yourself and maybe those closest to you who can get some kind of benefit from it or enjoy what you do, but still worry about who else may con- consume it. I'm sensitive about my shit. And I don't want someone to hear my podcast and think, ah, whatever, I don't, like, who gives a fuck or whatever. Or read a poem of mine and say, ah, this is mid. In that same breath, I recognize that not everybody is going to like my shit. Friend of mine, Angie, Angie said this, that I should just focus on the people that do support my shit And do like my shit. And she's right. She's absolutely right. At the end of the day, we should focus on those who celebrate your shit and like your shit. And not worry about the naysayers. And for whatever reason, I have been focused on naysayers. And that's not even to say that there are any. 
I've been so wound up about it that I haven't put anything out. Then I get into the space of, well, shit, when you finally put something out, I'll be like, well, damn, we was waiting for this. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm getting past that, though. I'm really hoping that this year I can get back into my my creative space. I'm really hoping that I can. On the flip side of that, another thing that my cousin was telling me was you got to give you got to give 2020 its credit. 2020 really fucked a lot of us. It did a number on a lot of us. My therapist also said the same thing. She said, you have to give 2020 its credit. Something that my therapist recognized within me was that I had gotten to a place where I was no longer in survival mode. At my with my depression at its absolute worst a few years ago. At my absolute lowest, I was in survival mode. I wasn't living. I was just doing whatever to make it to the next day or really the next hour. 2020 put me back in survival mode. So it's an, it's an adjustment that I wasn't prepared for. That really, let's be real, none of us were prepared for. None of us were prepared for a fucking pandemic. One of my last episodes, I I talked about the pandemic and I talked about my job and everything else. And of course, it shit got worse at my job. They have cases left and right. They're not telling us, like... They'll say the department, they won't say who, like, each department has, like, two or three subdivisions and shit like that, and then also because Arizona's a fuck-ass state, nothing shut down, you know, nothing shut down, and people refuse to wear a mask, and they're, like, having anti-mask protests and shit, like, it's fucking weird. This is some real Twilight Zone shit. And it's stressful, to say the least. And that's what I've been dealing with. That, that's what we've all been dealing with. For me, in particular, I deal with that shit on the daily. And so I don't have the energy. I just don't have the energy when I come home to create. Because I've been on edge all day. I've been in fucking survival mode all day. And the only time I feel any kind of semblance of peace is when I'm home. (sighs) But enough about that. Enough about my struggles as an artist. Um... The real bulk of this episode was to talk about grief. 
2020 was such a shit year. I had a conversation with a couple of my friends and I was, we were talking about everyone that we've lost in this last year. Like we started the year off losing Kobe and just how much of a blow that was to black people, to, to the world really, but like to, to black people, especially I'm a focus on black grief here. You have those of us that still reeling from Nipsey. Some of us still reeling from Mac. Then we get Kobe. And everyone else that we lost over the year. We lost Chadwick. We lost so many people. Like we we were losing our legends. And it was like, on top of that, on top of losing our legends left and right, we're still being hunted in the streets. Like, what? 2020 saw protests on such a global scale for Black Lives Matter. In the midst of a pandemic. Like, our grief never ended. Ever. Last year. Like, weekly, there was a new name. A new hashtag. And while we're fighting for for one person, another one is taken from us. And we got to add to the list. We had our own, we had our own community fighting against each other. Like just the 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 turmoil was fucking rampant worldwide. We got protests going on, and it was just like everybody, everybody showed their whole ass. Like white folks were white folks were bugging like more so than usual. Of course, because they were empowered by that fucking orange terror. On a personal level, I I said it. I said it on one of the episodes. At the very beginning, that like I felt the tension at work, and over throughout the year, I, there was more and more people that I found out. I'm like, okay, I can't trust you. I gotta watch what I say. I gotta watch how I move around you. And truthfully, I just I need to leave that job. It's it's just it's convenient, but I need to get out of there. And I recognize that. And I'm working on that. 
the grief never stopped. The grief never stopped. So what do you, what do you say? What do you do? What do you say to, to, to people that have, have never stopped hurting? What do you say? We got people, we got black folks dying from COVID amongst everything else because doctors don't believe their pain, which has been a documented issue for a very long time. Just just what last month, I believe there was a black doctor. Mind you, she was a doctor and she passed from COVID because another doctor was not believing her pain. So if someone in the field that looks like us is not being heard, what do you think is happening for the regular folks? I have been so sad and hurt and angry and paranoid and every emotion imaginable behind this shit. And I've just been waiting for us to just burn this shit to the ground. And I think we all have. I think we all have been just kind of like, okay, when when do we set this shit ablaze? Like, when do we make it happen? Because what the fuck? We get up. We go to work. We do what we have to do to survive. We put our issues to the side to make it through the day. And throughout all of this shit, we are still grieving blow after blow after blow after blow. Right up until the year, the year ended. What do we do? My stepdad passed away Christmas week. And I've been struggling to process it. He and my mom separated nine years ago. And he and I kind of fell out of touch this year or last year. And I'll take that blame. That was that was my doing. I'm terrible with calling people back. But he passed away Christmas week. He was sick. I I'd seen my stepdad nearly die once and it fucked me up because my stepdad was always like 
he's always been a big guy, but like, you know, you know those people that just seem invincible. Like when I was younger, he just seemed invincible to me. Like, I've seen that dude square up with motherfuckers, like, in a restaurant. Like, man, that dude taught me everything I knew, everything I know about having street smarts. Because I was book smart, and I'll I'll never forget it. I was really book smart. And he told me one day, because he watched me walk home from the store, from the little corner store. And I think I had my hand in my pocket or something like that, because... It was I was like carrying his change or something like that. And he said, Your money's in your left pocket, huh? And I was like, Yeah. He was like, You wanna know how I knew that? He was like, Cause I could see you walking home and I could see you were holding on to it tight in your pocket. You look like a mark. I was like, A what? <laughs> a mark? He was like, I gotta explain to you street smarts. It's like you got a lot of book smarts. I got to explain street smarts to you. My stepdad taught me how to how to read people on the streets. He taught me how to pay attention to my nigga senses. He taught me He taught me how to catch the bus anywhere in L.A. Here's the reason I knew how to get home from anywhere or get to anywhere. He always he taught me the importance of working smarter and not harder. I remember him explaining to me that taking a shortcut on something wasn't always the best thing to do. There's so much shit. He taught me how to cook. And yeah, my mom taught me these things as well, of course. But it was always different coming from him. Because my stepdad would talk to me like it was always clear it was parent to child, but like he would talk to me like, you know, like a nigga on the block. You know what I'm saying? Just like an OG would. He taught me the importance of knowing when to run and knowing when to fight. He taught me a lot of shit by not being the best example of what he was trying to teach. There was a time that I resented him for some of the shit that he did. There was a time that I was really pissed at him for some of the shit he did. For hurting my mom, you know, their relationship not working. Because for 
15, 16 years, this was the dude that I knew as my dad, you know. He was the one that was there. He helped me work through a lot of my emotions regarding my biological father. Because he also grew up without a dad. So when I was entering my teenage years, even, you know, as a preteen, I remember struggling with those emotions and wondering why I'm so angry all the time and why he couldn't, why my biological dad just couldn't get his shit together and like, what was wrong with me and, you know, all of this shit. And he helped me put a lot of things into perspective. Because my mom could relate with, you know, she grew up without a mom, but it was different, you know. It's different for a little boy to grow up without his dad. And even even if he has, you know, positive male role models, like shout out to my cousin Terry, you know, like I... I've had role models there, but it's different, you know? And he helped me through that. My stepdad, really both of my parents, always made sure that I knew that I had a voice. My stepdad helped me really find my voice. Because there was no... There was no, like, how could I put it? There was, like, no mom pretext. Because, like I said, he talked to me like, like, you know, one of the niggas on the street. You know what I'm saying? Like, he talked to me, like, like on some real shit. That's not to say that my mom didn't. But it's, like, fellas know. Fellas know how it is. You talking to one of your boys or you talking to that uncle that, you know, he's going to keep shit straight with you. He's going to tell it like it is on the block. That was my stepdad. My stepdad, he honed my love of sports. Like, I never used to be competitive until, like, playing basketball with him or playing, hell, playing PlayStation with him. He taught me how to how to shoot a basketball right, how to hold the ball right, how to jump straight up and down instead of leaning with my shot. As I got older, there were plenty of times that he would tell me that, you know, he wished he had done things differently with me, with my mom, But I never doubted that he loved me, you know. I remember when I made the decision to stop calling him Derek and I wanted to start calling him dad. And it was a decision that I just made on my own. I remember telling my mom about it and she asked me, you know, why I felt the way I did. And I remember telling her, I'm like, it just makes sense, like. He's been around this whole time and he treats me like his sons. Like, why would I not? Why would I not? (laughs) 
Besides calling him by his first name, feels weird. <laughs> there are many things I didn't get to ask him about. Things that I'm regretting. Time is so weird, man. Time is so weird, like... Even though he was sick, I never really, like, pictured him dying. Like, I just, I just didn't. Because he was, you know, he was invincible. Like, (sighs) this shit feels weird. Like, he wasn't a bad dude. You know what I mean? He made his mistakes. But ultimately, you know, he did what he could. Like, I know, I have no doubt that he still loved my mom because she told me, you know, they would speak regularly. I'm kicking myself because the last time he had called me or, or I think he had texted me, I forgot to text him back. When I went to L.A., my mom had told me that You know, he and his sisters wanted to order some cheesecake and just, I didn't follow up with her because I didn't have their numbers and stuff. And I just, I didn't follow up, but I should have, you know, I should have gone and seen him. This shit isn't fair, man. It isn't fair. And it's it's different from, say, you know, someone losing a parent that they're close to, you know. But I'm still, there's still a void there. You know? There's still a void there. Because even, even though he and I's relationship changed over the years and probably wasn't as strong in in the last year or two. That was still my dad, you know? (sighs) I say all that to say... Grief is hard. I haven't been able to shed any more tears because I know he's not in pain anymore. I'm still very sad about it. It feels weird not crying. Kind of had me thinking like, well, what the fuck is wrong with me? You know, 
But nothing, nothing's wrong. It was just... Just how it is, I guess. Times are weird, man. Times are strange. Folks are losing loved ones left and right, and somehow we're expected to grieve and still be productive and suffer through this bullshit government and everything else, and it's just it's frustrating. I told... I told Mercy couple days ago that I fully understand how people lose their faith and as a kid I I didn't used to understand that as a kid I didn't understand why some folks like would turn their back on God or stop believing in God or whatever the case may be but as I've gotten older and actually gone through shit I get it especially with this last year I get it. I'm working on finding my my faith. My spirituality has been slowly but surely coming back. And I guess that's why I've been questioning a lot of things about my life. But it's a struggle. But... Nonetheless, I'm still here. It's 2021. In a couple weeks, I'll be turning 28. And it's... That feels strange. (laughs) I'm damn near 30. That feels very strange to say. But to anyone out there... Who is struggling who's dealing with some some grief that you know that no one knows about or even grief that everyone knows about know that you are not alone know that you are loved and know that that you are appreciated. That your presence is very much necessary. I know times are hard. Which is a, such a fucking understatement. And I know that probably sounds empty and hollow. But trust. Trust and do believe. That's, there are people out there that need you. They need your presence. Your love. Your energy. Whatever the case may be, they need you. And if this message isn't for anybody else, it's definitely for me. I pray that the fight gets easier. I pray that the grief doesn't last. And instead, we're able to celebrate those we have lost. I pray that this year is much, much kinder and softer to you.
I'm praying for everyone. Whoever needs it. I got nothing but love and light for anyone who needs it. I pray you send some in return. For anyone out there who may be dealing with some shit that, you know, I don't even have to know what it is. But if you're dealing with some shit and you're struggling, don't hesitate to reach out. I will always be willing to put my shit to the side to help the next person. Because the only way that we get through all of this shit is together. I can't guarantee that I'm going to be back on this thing, but I will try. If you are able to, hold your loved ones. Let people know that you love them, that you're thinking about them or that you appreciate them. Whatever, it goes a long way. And until next time, peace and love. And if nobody else tells you, I love you and you matter to me. Take care, y'all.